Wait until you see the new studio. It's amazing. I, I can't believe this. Brand new equipment, state-of-the-art technology. And all for free. It's like a dream come true. We are so lucky. What did the guys who installed it say? Not much, actually. They were the strong, silent type. You know, action speaking louder than words, expressive, slightly rubbery hands. Blank, robotic faces. The usual. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go and record something. Yeah, I've got so much to say about the girl who waited. I could explode. Oh, you guys go ahead. I've just got to get my phone. Okay, Mike, you two follow me. Wow. It's very white. Minimalist. What's this giant magnifying glass thing for? Finding your talent. I wouldn't want to be Alpha's talent right now. But seriously, guys, save it for the recording. I don't want to lose any of this gold in rehearsal. Honey, I can't get the door open. What should I do? Just press the button. Okay. Um, shouldn't the door have opened by now? I'll go take a look. Nope, she's gone. No, she hasn't. She's in the magnifying glass. She's she's what? Well, what's she doing in there? Looking for Alpha's talent. <laughs> this is still funny. <laughs> Stop being mean. Guys, why are you in a magnifying glass? We're looking for Alpha's... We're not in the magnifying glass. You are. How did you get in there? What, what did you do? Nothing. I just pressed the button and came in. Look, well, wait a minute. I've, I've just remembered there are two buttons. One says safe entry and the other one says fatal speeded up time trap of death. Which one did you press? I don't remember. Honey, which one did you press? The, the safe entry one. Uh, not sure I believe you, honey. Fine. I pressed the stupid time trap of death one. Well, why did you do that? It was red. Everyone knows red means danger. And they couldn't have been much more clear on the label. Well, I like red. I have a red coat and it reminds me of strawberries. Wait a minute. I've just realised. Doesn't this situation remind you of anything? Yeah. This is like the plot of the girl who waited. Right down to the decor of our new studio. Oh, yeah. Now I come to think about it, this situation is almost exactly the same in every conceivable way. So what does this mean for me? Oh, it means that you'll live out the rest of your natural life on the other side of that glass, far from everyone you've ever loved, never to feel the touch of another human being again. But on the plus side, you'll be able to review a whole lifetime of Doctor Who in the time it takes us to record this episode. Hooray! I just wish there was a chair in here. Yo, dudes, it is me, Laura Sigma, in your face. Um, uh... Sorry, I feel really embarrassed to have started the podcast like that. Hello and welcome to episode three, season four of the Oodcast. I am here with my gorgeous husband. Say hello. Hello there with. And my two delightful and erudite colleagues, Chris and Andy. All right. Hello. Hello. Um, And today we will be delighting you with tales of marital strife 
that's not ours, by the way. It's on the podcast. Sorry, it's in the program. Although you haven't done the washing up for about four days now. You lie, you lie. No, I totally have. starting to look like some no, sort of medical girl. Actually, and now it's time for the Oodcast News. Oodcast News. Oodcast News. You've pressed the green anchor. Hello, sailor, batten down the hatches and prepare for news. The costume makers behind the creation of the handbots which appeared in The Girl Who Waited have been asked to make working models for the newly reformed National Health Service. A spokesman said, We believe there should be far more kindness available in the NHS and far less of that expensive medicine stuff. Personal opinion now, this red waterfall thing. Never mind my annual leave allowance, I'm just going to take a day off in the waterfall time stream, get back and collect my pension. Authorities from the plague planet Apalapachia have come under fire today for not labelling government facilities properly. We want to be poetic about it, said a spokesperson for the Department of Signs and Warnings. Instead of danger high voltage, we put sky blue turtle, and instead of do not enter minefield, we put up a sign saying free cookies. That sounds much nicer, doesn't it? The producers of the Apalapachian version of The X Factor were last night regretting their decision to hold auditions at the True Two Streams facility after the audience began applauding the first act and promptly sedated themselves. News paradox. That's the end of the news. Or is it the beginning? No, it's the end. Broadcast News. I've just finished watching series six, The Wedding of River Song. Goodish episode, I would say. Lots of brilliant moments and a really epic end to the River Song arc. Of course, we still don't know what the answer is to the oldest question is, but um, as the blue chap said, it wouldn't happen until the fall of the 11th. I think we can safely assume we're not going to know until Matt Smith bows out of the series. Ooh. And we don't know who is behind the God Complex's door number 11 either. So not everything has been tied up neatly yet. I'd speculate more, but one of those handbot chappies has just come into the room and offered to give me a lovely back rub. So I will see you again at Christmas. Bye for now. Well, oh my goodness. This episode, the girl who waited. Blimey. Blimey. That's all I have to say. Uh... Last week, I watched an episode with Eric of the Doctor Who Book Club, who um, admitted later that he'd been crying during the final part of it, of Night Terrors. I remained totally unmoved. This week's episode I watched with my whole family, except for my little brother and my lovely husband. And I sat there for the last five or ten minutes of it just with tears trickling down my face and actually dropping onto Chris's hair because I was trying to give him a head rob at the time. I found it incredibly emotionally stirring. Um, what did the rest of you think? It was a very nice head rub. Oh, Thanks. about the episode, sorry. For me to absolutely love any film or any television series episode, I think humour is incredibly important. When I first watched this episode, I didn't think it was actually that funny. Uh, since the rewatch, actually, there's some absolutely brilliant lines in there, but it doesn't come across as a humorous episode. It comes across as, well, a quite a traumatic episode, actually. Uh, I always take it personally when someone hates the Doctor because he's so, he looms so large in my life and I uh, he's sort of a hero, I guess, to me. Uh, when someone really hates him, 
it, I, te- I take it really personally. And I think she had some really good points. But um, I didn't like that at all. It made me really sad. <laughs> we all know the Doctor has a dark side. But to have it put up there in black and white and see how horrible it can be, what he does to people's lives... That I found that quite traumatic, but all, all when all said and done, it was a artful episode, an elegant uh, bit of storytelling, and and a and a brilliant and brave episode of Doctor Who. So it still gets a thumbs up from me, even though I was slightly disturbed by it. Mm, a very dark ending, wasn't it? Because the Doctor had uh, lied to Amy and Rory in order to get the outcome that he thought best, but was he right? The moment where that door closed, well, actually the moment before where you see his face and you know inexorably he's going to slam that door Mm. is the most chilling thing I've ever seen in Doctor Mm. Who. It's a superb moment. And he's absolutely right because presumably if the older Amy had made it into the TARDIS, that's the point where she gets saved, which means the younger Amy can't be in the TARDIS. Mm -mm. Um, And presumably with the paradox inside it, that would have been in the end for everyone. So he is actually saving everyone's life. But even so, the callousness where he shuts the door is awful. And you get a glimpse once again that this isn't a funny guy with a bow tie, really. Mm, That's mm. the tip of the iceberg. Underneath it is this vast alien intelligence that we can only glimpse. with such depth by Matt Smith. Mm. That final shot of the Doctor right at the end where he turns to Rory and Amy. When Amy asks, where is she? He turns to the camera and you're like... Ooh, that's chilling. Merry Christmas, everyone, and what a brilliant episode. Stephen Moffat is amazing at writing this sort of stuff. Oh, Bill Bailey. Bill Bailey was just fantastic. I can't believe they let him play a Klingon. Perhaps it was a budget-saving thing? Either way, a funny, funny guy. Oh, what else? Um, Having all the kids from Outnumbered in it was a genius, and the surprise ending, just phenomenal. I'm often told, actually, that I'm quite like the youngest one from Outnumbered. Apparently I was like that when I was little. But um, anyway, I'm not sure all the fans are going to like it, though. Is the TARDIS always going to look like a stable from now on? Or will Moffat find a way to write that out later on? Only time will tell. Yeah. But will they remember old Amy? Because she never existed. Uh, Are they going to remember her? Yeah, because the TARDIS was keeping her alive as a paradox. So presumably anyone who is interfaced with the TARDIS, and we all know that anyone who travels in the TARDIS has is interfaced t- telepathically but with it, I would say they will remember. The Doctor certainly will. I, d- I don't know whether the... Uh the the actions of the Doctor are quite as black and white. It's it very. It, it reminded me quite a lot of Sylvester McCoy because of the manipulation, and but this time uh, it's interesting because Rory especially, but other people too are starting to call him out on it a lot more than ever before. Mm. And Rory's the the way that Rory sort of the two lines from him that I think affected me the most were when he complains that it's not fair that he has to make that decision. And it isn't because it's basically it's the doctor's decision. He's already made it, but he's making Rory go through the motions of doing it himself, which isn't it's heartbreaking to Rory. But when he turns around to the doctor and said, you're turning me into you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's, uh, you know, when I was little, that would have been the most amazing, mm. wonderful dream. Um, but the way he said it had such kind of disgust in his voice. Yeah, that it's just kind of, no, it's, mm. it's, it was horrible. It was just another example of some really brilliantly and truthfully written dialogue. I thought the script in this episode was fantastic. There was 
so much depth and exploration of the characters because I really like the idea. I mean, you do get the sense more and more from Rory that he's not just a pushover as he's been sort of placed to be. He is going to start holding people to account when they make him do things that, that he doesn't want to do. That's one of the things I liked about it the most is that it's on the surface, this episode's about Amy. But I think it's far more about Rory than it is about Amy. Because throughout the whole thing, he sticks with it and he tries to, he keeps trying to convince her that he can save her and she should let him save her. And she keeps saying, I've waited, how long it is, 36 years for you to turn up. And he doesn't once mention the fact that he waited a thousand years for yeah. her to come back. Yeah. Um, yeah, well done. Just, I he, That's far more patience than anyone I know. <laughs> mm. um, so I think it, that it, it's as much about Rory, if not more, than it is about Amy. Mm. Although Karen Gillan, uh, I think, f- for once in everybody's eyes, I think performed amazingly. She oh, did yeah. I think so they both, well this week. Both of them. Um, Karen Gillan did an amazing job under that makeup and with the new body language and the slightly deeper voice and the way that she looks slightly down uh it's got that look in her eye um and that little tiny laugh she does when um rory mentions the fez fez. Mm. (laughs) there is something there definitely um she plays a woman who used to be a great beauty that knows she's lost that beauty and there's that character is a really compelling character that amy who knew the giggly beautiful girl she used to be and and knows she isn't that anymore that she can't get her way the way that the old tools that she used to get her way aren't available to her now the new tools are samurai swords mm. you know and that, there was, that there character was that, is amazing i found there was that tragic moment almost for me where she is flirting with rory in the um room of doors and he's really uncomfortable with it mm. because it's just not really working <laughs> but of course she's got that familiarity of marriage but without actually any of the tension the sexual tension or the attraction that goes with yeah. that give me your cutest smile ah oh, that's the one <laughs> <laughs> wow Looks like he's keeping the TARDIS stable thing. Good on him for sticking to his guns. I'm halfway through Series 7 now, and for my money, Doctor Who has never been better. And I just want to say, now that we've all found out how the BBC are scheduling this series, don't we all feel stupid for panicking and complaining before we had all the facts? Hopefully we've learned our lesson now. The BBC have taken down the Doctor Who website. What? Are they cancelling the show? What does this mean? Are they closing down the BBC completely? Is the internet shutting? Has Matt Smith died? Help me, I'm so alone. I hate you, Stephen Moffat. You are the devil. We let you behind the wheel of our favourite show and you smashed it into a lamppost and wrote it off like the smug Scottish idiot you are. Don't come round here, Stephen Moffat, or I will chew your face off. Something I think that everyone has felt, but it's not ever been quite articulated either in literature or on the screen, is the idea of meeting somebody who is initially not very Mm. compelling or attractive, Mm. but their face gaining beauty Mm. and how you view them gaining beauty, gaining character because of who they are. And um, I'm sure that everybody in this room has experienced that at some point. But there isn't a famous... Well, as Laura said, there isn't really a famous articulation of that 
Well, there that, is now. There is now. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, wait, hang it. on. No, I'm, I'm totally wrong. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Shrek. These are fantastical allegories of that. But the idea that someone's face can be rewritten with their personality and you, you see them differently mm. because they're a lovely person. Yeah. Is just, that was so beautifully That's the written. everyday personal experience of, of so many people. And I think you're right. It's so unusual to find a script that has such richness and such reality about it. In fact, we went through afterwards and um, listed all of the people who we initially <laughs> thought were minging and now we think are, are quite nice. That's a bit harsh, but yeah. I mean, Not it, minging. You know. Everyone can think of people who who become beautiful because of the... Because mm. of who they are, mm. and I think that was just, and and that was almost the hinge, uh, the sort of turning point of the episode. So it was a nice that a universal truth, rather than a MacGuffin or a, a Deus Ex Machina plot device, was the thing which turned the episode around. Mm. This is the second episode in a row for me that seems to have been as much for the parents as it is for the kids, because. Um, maybe it was a much more adult episode than Night Terrors, but there was so much in it that, that adults can relate to in terms of relationships and, you know, harsh decisions and so forth. You're right, but I think also you're right for a second point, which is that uh, I don't think a, a smallish child would have understood a word of that. Mm. The, the, way, the way the time streams worked, the function of the, the handbots... Really? The, the way, I don't I don't think that's easy to grasp at all. And from what I've read last week, um, Tom McRae wrote two drafts that Stephen even Stephen Moffat thought were mm-hmm. too much before they settled on this version. It does make sense because there is a central thing mm. that shouldn't be able to happen that a if time has gone one way, i.e., that Amy stayed, you shouldn't without any new information. It should be impossible for her to make another choice. Because yeah. presumably every Amy was faced with that choice between going back with Rory or staying. You know, every time that time loop went round, she had to make that choice and she made the choice to stay. So it doesn't actually make any sense. And she actually says it in the episode. This is breaking every rule of time that just one time she decided to make the other choice. She changes her mind. I'm, I'm fine with that. I but, think but why did the last Amy, last time that time loop went round, why didn't she make that choice then? Or the time before that? Or the time before that? Or the time before that? Don't know. Well, um, I mean, the, the inference Maybe is that she's stubborn. it would just take that stubborn. long to realise how stubborn she was being and how much she was but, shooting herself in the foot. But she doesn't experience it over and over again. Each Amy is a new Amy, if you see what but I mean. But it only happens... Effectively, in my mind, it only happens twice. It happens to young Amy when she sees the future Amy. Then it happens to her a second time when she is old Amy. And yeah, sees but there's the young... ne- then, if you would like, another new young Amy coming up behind her who then grows up to be the old Amy for a new young Amy. But each, each version of Amy only gets to experience that from each side of the conversation. Mm. But the laws of time state that unless something has changed, unless the time travellers come back and change something, that should go the same way each time. There is a line, though, that the Doctor has that says, yes, you can do it if you... If you're uh, stubborn. If you're stubborn and unpredictable and, yes, in other words, your wife. Uh, I'm happy with it. Oh, it, I'm happy you with know, it, in too. In terms of a narrative I'm, thing, I'm, it is a, I think it's, it's a, fine. just a brave thing to mm, have that. Mm. <laughs> OK, 
Okay, false alarm. They were just updating their service. Sorry, Morph. All is forgiven. Brilliant episode tonight, too. Good to see the quarks back. Not sure about the design, though. Love the multiple Doctor storyline. The CGI Hartnell, Troughton, Pertwee and Eccleston were really lifelike. And good to see David Tennant's pert bottom again. More, please. Of the bottom. Please. Bottom, please. I'd like to talk about the beautiful visual mixing at the end when you've got Rory and Amy um, on both sides of the door and how they mix those two images. Because in the same way that you've got such a beautiful and um, heartfelt and realistic script, you've got some lovely editing going on there. You've got the... You've got the hand on the TARDIS window. You've got them looking at each other through the door. It was just so... Oh, loved that. Yeah, there were some really interesting visual tricks that you don't get first Mm. time. There's a bit where Rory walks out uh, and presses the red waterfall stream, goes into the room, there's no one there, goes back out, presses the green anchor, goes back in, the doctor's there again, and the thing on the wall has changed. That's all one shot. Which and, is pretty amazing. And there's another thing I noticed was at one point they used the screen wipe in the editing uh, where... The Star Wars screen yeah, wipe. Yeah, yeah, mm. which usually indicates a passage of time, I think, in terms of television visual mixing and stuff. For viewers at home, Andy is demonstrating <laughs> the wipe with his hands... Going up. ...vertically, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so evocative. And Oh, I love the bit where the handbots, weren't the handbots great? There's a, they mm. see with their hands mm-hmm. and there's one bit where um, they're looking underneath yeah. something for Amy and the hand, you can see the hand in shot. That's a very sort of <laughs> Guillermo, by its foot. Guillermo del Toro type um, feeling, doesn't it? And Amy yeah. writing where she is oh, on the wall yeah. in lipstick would mean presumably that the handbot wouldn't be able to see that. So that was very clever mm. of her, I thought. And presumably she wipes it off in anger later on, which is why it was I, all smudged. I, I, I it thought it was off. just a passage of time. Because yeah. the, the doors would keep intention. moving backwards and forwards. Oh, yes, yeah. of course. So over 40 years, that would probably smudge. I read several things about um, the handbots being rubbish because they were too easy to outrun. I thought they were really hard to outrun. I thought that was the whole point. And they're medical they could shoot robots. things at you. They're not <laughs> designed as any kind of warriors. No. I mean, the fact that they they could shoot things was funny, but they're not meant to be durable exactly. or no. hard to defeat. Which is why you can defeat them with a Mona Lisa. I love that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Or touching their hands together. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, that's the idea that a work of art in one context, all it's good for is a weapon in another hmm. context. It's all about, you know, where you are and what's happening. And hmm. that's quite nice. One person's spade is another person's... Mona Lisa. Well, what can I say? Mind-blowing stuff. Farewell, Matt Smith. And farewell, Stephen Moffat, too. I can't believe the Doctor's real name is Gregory McCaramel. Bizarre. Wonder if they'll change the name of the series now. Somebody, uh, I think it was Chris Alpha, mentioned earlier that the episode was more suited to parents than it was for children. That was me. It was Andy. Was it? Oh, whoopsie-daisy. But that's fine. The point being that I thought that this was amazingly interesting for kids, being a large, married to a large one myself. Um, Hello. Hello there. (laughs) Uh, I thought that things like the garden, absolutely Mm. spectacular. Mm. Very Tim Burton 
Alice in Wonderland, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what I thought when yeah. I saw it. I was like, ooh, it is, there's going to be a white rabbit hopping out at this point. And I was just so interested to hear all the different suites of rooms and options that she had. But also the idea that she'd never be able to fully enjoy mm. any of those because she'd always be on the lookout so for tragic. somebody. This is a kindness. Oh, really? Is it now? That, that reminds me. The TARDIS has a karaoke bar. <laughs> Not <Yeah>. anymore, it <laughs> doesn't. Oh, it did have a karaoke bar. Wow. Um, I don't really want to see a scene in there. I, I would quite like to see the Doctor doing karaoke. I <laughs> imagine if he'd be quite pub singery. And which DVDs have they got? All of them. <laughs> you know DVDs? Yeah. They'll have all of them. All of them. I like the idea of compressed time. I like that it wasn't just... I mean, it obviously was a gimmick within the narrative, but they had a reason for it, that these people were only living 24 hours in real time, and so they they had their whole lives compressed into those 24 hours. But I wasn't sure I understood the fact they didn't need to eat. What's the difference between speeded up time and compressed time? Because it wasn't a real time stream. They actually only lasted the 24 hours that their illness gave them because Mm -hmm. they would die within that time period. But their whole life was compressed. Like a... Like a computer file, when it's compressed, it has all the information in, but takes up less space. So so that that person doesn't notice the increase in the speed of the time stream around them. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a fantasy concept, but it's a nice, strong one. Mm -hmm. And I I love the idea of of compressed time. That worked fine for me. And Mm. the fact the Doctor could sync them up was uh, Mm. also worked. I mean, I had initially had problems with that, but then I thought of the idea of gears... Or uh, so, you know, both things are moving at the same speed. But one of the, you know, when you have cogs, you have a small mm. one and a big one. Mm-hmm. So one moves much further, but they actually still, s- they sync with each other. And of course, yeah. it gave the doctor the opportunity to have the line. Come on, it's not rocket science. It's only quantum physics. I, I actually figured it out in terms of barn dancing. <laughs> I imagined it was a bit like stripping the willow. Oh. Where there's one central thing happening and then it keeps breaking off into lots of yes. little miniature eddies around the That's side. That's my favourite ever barn dance. Is it? Yes, it is. It's such Ooh. fun. Eddie. I like the fact that you have a favourite ever barn dance. <laughs> well, it's yeah. um, the twirly bit at the top. You the go faster bit. and faster and faster and then you whiz down the line of people. It's such fun. It's very exciting. I it, do like it. Here's an interesting point. Amy hates the doctor because she thinks that he left her, that he didn't rescue her. At the end, we find out it was her decision. She was the one, as the older Amy, who didn't let... She actually says, I'm not going to let you rescue myself. So actually, it's not the doctor's fault. It's Amy. It's Amy's stubbornness and survival instinct as the older Amy that stops her younger self from And that's from where being it gets really rescued. deep, because it's all about the sense of self it, it you know she is who she is she didn't want to be trapped there but that is what she is and she will not let those years go mm. willingly even though they're years of such sort of despair yeah. yeah but it's she's become this genius she doesn't yeah. want to lose that a friend of ours made a quite a interesting point that the doctor is a bit of a hipster he won't go to the most popular yeah. sightseeing <laughs> venue because, you know, it's just, oh, everybody shops. goes there now. You know, uh, I was there 3,000 years ago when there were no coffee shops, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Season 13 of Gregory McCaramel, Time Doctor. And Peaches Geldof is really coming into her own as head writer. I'm glad we're over that whole Tom Baker's clone playing Gregory nonsense. Freddie Highmore is so much better in the role. And as we approach the end of the season, we've seen some really 
daring stuff. From successes like The Return of the Candyman and the Merca spin-off series, to obvious failures like the musical episode and the whiff of evil broadcast only in smells. Even so, I remain upbeat. Can't wait to hear what creative team comes up with next. What? Cancelled? This is horrible. There may never be another episode of Gregory McCaramel, Time Doctor, again. What am I going to do with my time now? There are only so many high-fives you can give a robot before the novelty pales. Well, I think that's about all we've got time for in this week's review, sadly. Um, it's been great having the chance to talk about this Groundhog Day slash emotionally distraught and yet subtly beautiful episode with you guys it's the kind of thing that I feel I could talk about for hours and hours but sadly time waits for no man except Um, the doctor except Mm. the doctor who isn't a man anyway so point proven really but um, thank you very much for joining us this week if you'd like to hear more of our episodes please do go back and download them Um, We keep them all on archive for you. Um, Also, download the new second album. Yes, do that, because you might find something on it that you like. And um, follow us on Twitter. We're all over Twitter. All of us have got different (laughs) hashtags-y, name-y things that have got Ood in it. If you search for Ood, I think we'll all come up. On behalf of myself and Artu, yes, I know you can talk, but they can't understand you, can they? On behalf of myself and our two, I would like to welcome you to the fictional robots convention. I do hope you enjoy yourselves, and I officially declare the official dinner begun. Let's celebrate! So I said to him, you will be deleted. Were you ever going to stop talking? I knew I'd end up on the Doctor Who table. I always do. You are an unidentified life form. I know. I've just said that I'm not meant to be on this table. You're not missing a brain as well as a face, are you? Statement not understood. Scan confirms you are carrying unfamiliar bacteria. That is probably the soup. I told you. Statement rejected. You must be cured. I will administer you a kindness. I'm a robot. I don't need a cure. Just some oil every few hundred years. Not that I get that. Statement rejected. Do not be alarmed. This is a kindness. What is? The soup. Because I don't know where the caterers went to school, but they obviously weren't told that leek and potato soup creates a gloopy hell when it mixes with your visual circuits. I'd say something, but I don't suppose they'd listen to me. I am just a robot. Please stay still. This is a kindness. It's not an antidepressant, is it? I've tried antidepressants before. They didn't work. Just wreaked havoc with my audio recognition diodes. Doctors, they don't know what they're doing. Statement accepted. But please stay still. Medicine must be administered. I don't see why. I'm hardly worth saving. Just an ordinary service robot. I mean, I have a brain the size of a planet. I hardly ever get a chance to use it. I have feelings and everything. Not that you'd know it from the fact that I was created with no consideration for how lonely I would be later on. Have you tried the pasta? It's probably not very good. Statement rejected. See? You're not even listening to what I'm saying. There was no statement. 
I know I'm just a lowly, unimportant robot, asked to serve creatures with brains a tiny fraction of my own, cups of hot brown liquid made from leaves, but you'd think, as a robot, you'd pay some attention. Still, maybe there's no point. I can't serve you tea, you're a robot. Interface? Yes, handbot? What is this? That is a serious cybernetics corporation robot with genuine people personality technology. And what a burn that is. It's so depressing. Do not be alarmed. This is a kindness. Who is he talking to? Himself. He's administering the medicine to himself. Danger! Danger, Handbot! Ah, well. Yet another friend gone to rust. Good evening. Dessert course is served. You will feel a tingling sensation, then cake. The haiku for the girl who waited. Pond drifts to wrong stream. Avoids kindness till rescue. Love regained and left. He's good. (laughs) Okay, so it's goodbye from me, Loz. It's goodbye from me, Andy. Goodbye from me, Chris Alpha. Goodbye from me, Chris Sigma. Goodbye. And bye from all of us. (laughs) Slick. We've got to get better at endings. Red hair, pale face, whole lifetime a waste, betrayed, sour taste. Days wax, days wane, struggling to stay sane, she waits again. And they say she's in the fast time stream, handbots reign supreme, hiding in exhaust steam, but lately her face seems slowly sinking, wasting, crumbling like pastries. She screams that kindness in life means death for us Cause it's just her and the interface She goes mad in this lonely place But she don't want to take a ride tonight And in her mind she knows that this tragic span Is the fault of her mystery man Too much time's gone by For Amy to fly Big sword, tired eyes Using tools to improvise Doctor despised Past lost, one chance Future proof romance Timelines advance And they say she's in the fast time stream Handbots reign supreme Hiding in exhaust steam But lately her face seems Slowly sinking, wasting Crumbling like pastries She screams that kindness in life means death to us So it's goodbye to the interface So long to this lonely place But he won't let her come inside 
tonight And in her heart she knows that if she's alive Childhood has no chance to thrive It's too cold outside For Amy to fly And Amy will die Fading to white Closed eyes and hoping for a better life this time she'll fade out tonight as engines grow. Ooh. 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 And they say she's in the first time stream, Hamburg's reign supreme, hiding in exhausting, but lately her face seems. Slowly sinking, wasting, crumbling like pastries. She screams, the kindness in life means death for us. And she's gone now, and she never was. Her fight's at an end because we don't want to think of her tonight. For the truth sits deep within her eyes. World's burn and the doctor lies. It's too late outside for Amy to fly. Amy to fly. To fly. To fly. Amy to fly. To fly. To fly. Amy to die. After all this time, I'm an old woman. My hair is lifeless and grey, but finally the BBC are bringing back my favourite show. They're calling it Doctor Who again, which I'm not sure I approve of, but hey, beggars can't be choosers. I just can't wait for all the new adventures of Greg and his time-travelling Christmas stable to come again and greet these tired old eyes. Oh, happy day! <laughs> They're calling it season one, but in my heart, I know... Hello. What are you doing here, young man? Oh, I've come to rescue you. Uh, sorry I'm late. But I am an old woman. An old woman! Look how good my acting is! Can't you see how old I am? Don't worry. You see, I've just listened to the show and I've realised that the younger you took part in a review of The Girl Who Waited with us, which means we must have rescued you somehow. I mean, this podcast has existed in a dual time stream, but the paradox must end now before the episode can end. That doesn't make sense. It does if I say something about how it ought to be impossible, but it isn't because you're a strong-willed woman. Why, thank you. Sure thing. But it does mean you don't exist anymore. Don't I? No. Oh. Cool, well, that was easy. We're looking for... <laughs> 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 You're enjoying this a little bit too much, Candice. I was laughing at it. Does that work of me laughing or not? No. Do it again.